People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio. Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. I'm sure you know that there are various organizations and projects going on in the various cities in Cape Town which seek to help young people of disadvantaged backgrounds to learn musical instruments, whether it's classical or jazz or whatever. And one such is called Muse You Kids, which was founded in Cape Town in January 2015. And since then, the organization has developed a platform where youngsters and families from all cultural backgrounds can learn, play together, and interact. And to date, more than 350 primary school learners have been given the opportunity to receive free violin tuition on an ongoing basis. And the founder is Maria Bota, and you only need to spend five minutes in one of Maria's violin classes to realize what it is that makes music kids so magical. Music has been part of Maria's life forever while growing up in Pretoria. She was introduced to the violin even before she could read or write. And her teachers, Alan Solomon and Denise Sutton, nurtured her talent and gave her the grounding for her to spread her wings to France when she left school. Well, Maria's with me in the studio to talk about this amazing project. So welcome, Maria. It's good to meet you. Good morning. <laughs> good morning and welcome. Let me just find out a little bit more about this before we find out all about your background. It says it was founded in 2015. With what exact purpose? Uh, because you do cross cultural boundaries and all that, don't you? Yes, I think I made an amazing discovery of the different populations of Cape Town when I was appointed in 2009 by the Cape Philharmonic Orchestra to run the project Masid Lale at the time. Oh, yes, the one in which, Hout Bay. Yeah, mm. no, not in Hout Bay. It was, it's based from um, Cape Town. Oh, yes. It was a newly uh, a project that needed to be rolled out right, at the time. Right. It was the very beginning, and they were looking for someone that would dare to go into all the townships around Cape Town. And uh, they already identified schools where they wanted this project to roll out. So I went, um, I arrived, I was newly arrived in South Africa after having lived 23 years in France. I think I was a bit like a naive tourist <laughs> and I just absolutely <laughs> yes. loved the vibe in mm. the township. And I think I always felt incredibly close to the African culture. And I believe especially after having lived 23 years abroad, I was missing that energy of the African people always making a joke, um, always full of um, nice energy. And I found lots of it as I was driven in in the beginning by the Philharmonic Orchestra Masad Lali project to go to the different schools that were identified. And yeah, long story short, I spent five years um, running the Masad Lale project for them um, and found myself every day in different townships, Langa, um, Nyanga, Guguletu, and absolutely fell in love with these little children that at the time my instrument was violin and they appointed me so violin it was <laughs> so all the kids got from me was violin lessons on an everyday basis in these in these different schools and i felt i really came close to understand the everyday living of the people that uh, i would say live 10 minutes away from cape town and that we see every day within our city but we have so little knowledge of the life and of the daily living style out there. Exactly, indeed. And um, it really inspired me being in contact with very young children in those different schools in the townships. 
I felt I wanted to invest myself much more in the lives of those children. And that is how I came to um, found the Music Kids Project because I felt in the structure of the Cape Philharmonic Orchestra, I didn't have enough time to really do what I wanted to do and I wanted to give these children. Mm. So I reinvented a kind of a... Um, a way that I could approach and be in contact with all these different children, but also bringing them to town, also mixing them with all the other communities. What I always felt a little bit sad is that they stay isolated out there and that children from town taking violin lessons cannot go to them and they cannot come to the children in town and that there's no social integration. I mean, you can't have invite your little friend to come play with you. <laughs> yeah, because of the distance involved. There's a very big dif- distance and yeah. a very big difference also in culture Mm. so I felt I really wanted to do the same but with a base um, based in Cape Town um, based in a place where I could mix as you said all cultures from all diverse cultural backgrounds and get little children to play together become friends uh, invite one another get to know one another create really a neutral ground where everybody through the means of music could um, <laughs> build relationships. <laughs> and this is teaching violin from scratch, mostly, yes, isn't it, yes. to the children in the townships? Yes. Also. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not the yeah. easiest instrument, as we know. Yeah. And then I, I also think I really wanted to start with children as young as four and five years old, even if I can get them younger, mm. um, because I just feel that it gives you a lifetime. Um, it gives you a big lifespan of, say, 10 years before those children are growing into adolescent years and it gives you much more time to absolutely build positive thinking to patterns yes to, to sort of brainwash them with music <laughs> from two, two years old from and growing up in that atmosphere of music and and just give them all that opportunity from a very young age and make them fall in love Mm. with the instrument before they start thinking too much of how difficult it is to play the (laughs) violin. (laughs) Let's uh, pause for a moment, Maria, and have your first piece of music before we continue talking about this. Yes. Use your kids. And what is your first piece of music? Yes, of course, we bring classical music as a basis to these children from all these different communities. So I believe the voice is so important. Um, I'll come to it later, how we also have to develop music into a resonance with their own culture, with their own um, history, with their own traditional, what resonate with them. In the beginning, when they hear classical music, I just think it does not speak to them at all. But it's such a wonderful discipline to get them founded on that foundation of classical music. And um, I am absolutely always touched by uh, Bobby McFerrin combining with Yo-Yo Ma. Um, I just absolutely love, I'm a total emotional <laughs> listener, the concerto in D minor for two mandolins um, where cello and voice is combined. And I believe um, I make the children sing very much. And I believe we must, before we develop anything, we must develop their voices. And it just inspired me so much, that that piece of music, to make the children sing, to, to bring movement also in their whole learning process, so that we can really descend straight away in their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's listen. So this is Bobby McFerrin and Yo-Yo Ma. Mm-hmm. 
is a unique sound, isn't it, Maria? That's Bobby McFerrin voice and Yo-Yo Marcello with that arrangement of D minor concerto movement there from the first choice of Maria Buta, who's with me in the studio today, the founder of Muse You Kids. And what are you doing? What? And I actually want to add that yes. Yo-Yo Ma, we, the music kids, had the privilege of playing for him and meeting him when, oh, he, when was he was here, here just before the lockdown. So, of course, that piece of music became even more part of our music kids' journey. <laughs> yeah. And when you said just before the music, you said you were teaching the children to sing. Are you teaching them to sing while they play or as a separate discipline? Uh, no, completely combined. Um, we sing part of the music. Um, so now we also get back, now that they've been playing for, for the past five years, they're becoming real musicians. So we incorporate a lot of singing. We also go into songs that originate really from their own culture. Um, we are so privileged to have um, Hans Heysen, which is based in Cape Town as well, that absolutely fell in love with the music kids and that have done so much exploration on the Kosa culture, Kosa music, African music as such. And he made wonderful arrangements for the music kids. Um, of those songs, of those Kosa African Zulu yes, songs. Yes, yes. And from the moment they actually started playing these arrangements of of Hans, something in them just absolutely came alive. And we, for example, we've got Sia Hamba, Bella Mama. We sing a lot also, plus playing at the same time. One of our music kids, little girls, sang this beautiful song once, Ibambeni um, Webafana, for Hans. And because we always ask them, so what are you singing and, and what speak to you? And she came up with this beautiful, beautiful song, which is actually a struggle song in their culture that we didn't know. And Hans made and made, made a beautiful arrangement out of that. Having just listened to her sing it. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's really 
her singing and and then the music, the instruments playing over her voice and her voice coming up again. And sometimes the whole group would sing and then take up their violins uh, and start playing and sing again. So I think the singing is very much an integral part as well of their culture. And I'm so thankful that we could get to this point where we we really represent also their culture with a music repertoire yeah. of music. So in other words, you're not just teaching them the classical repertoire. That's no. the discipline part possibly, but you are letting them explore their own culture through the violin. Absolutely, with these absolutely. And we also play Irish music, we play Jewish music, we play all kinds of different genres, which I think it's interesting to see what speaks to them and what mm. really triggers them. Yeah. And fun music, fun music also for and, the children. And do they love it? Do they love holding the violin and playing it? When you, when you, when the rehearsal is over, it happened again. We had a visitor last Saturday. Uh, they just carry on playing. You say goodbye to people and people stand up to go. And as soon as the people are turning around to start walking away, they just start playing again. They never stop. <laughs> okay. And you say we quite a lot. Do you have – obviously, there's more than just you. You must have teachers. Uh, it's not been easy <laughs> to find the right teachers. So now I have to shoot back to my life in Europe, which I was so fortunate to live in an enormous big network of um, Suzuki teachers, Suzuki, the method that I'm working with. So there's many Suzuki centers all over Europe, and we get together all the time when we travel from country to country to one another's schools. We teach one another's children. We do workshops every year and international workshops um, and national workshops in France. So I have a wide range of um, Suzuki colleagues uh, from Spain, from Italy, from France, Belgium, England that was actually watching my experience here in South Africa and got more and more interested. I think we're always interested in what happens far away from <laughs> us. Are, isn't and um, as soon as I started, they came in on a regular basis every European summer and had come and um, helped me teach uh, all these children. Did that, they come out here? Yes, they came out every year in the European summer, which oh. could be up to two months, yes. and spent time really helping uh, me to teach all these children, which was a wonderful boost in the in the program. And then one, one of them, I mean, they just fall so in love with Cape Town with these wonderful <laughs> kids that never want to stop playing. And they all want to stay here and live here. But that, of course, is very complicated. So the one teacher tried to live here and it, came, it was up to a year. But then with the lockdown, things just became impossible and yes. visas and complications. Yes. But we do find for the first time our um, local teachers. It's very difficult to find someone that really is willing to work in the insecurity of a project where we cannot assure um, payment, where we cannot assure what's going to happen next year. And um, also with it, the type of work that we do. It's not like you're a traditional teacher sitting in a nice classroom and a, a child just walks in, get a lesson and walks out. We sort of run around for a lot of other things as well, feeding everyone, <laughs> sorting <laughs> out the view fights. So we've got these kids literally the whole day with us when mm -hmm. they come in. And uh, we keep them busy with, with lots of different activities. And they love it. And they, it's like a, it's like a music camp. <laughs> Every weekend <laughs> yeah. is like a music camp. So you need a lot of energy and it's not easy to find that kind of teacher that wants to come and spend full time also running that, around. Also, uh, that has your me. passion and your vision. They must share your passion and vision. Yes, I suppose definitely so. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Maria, another piece of music. What are we going to listen to now? Uh, I like the Polish dance very much for myself. And um, I have not taught this one yet. I'm, I'm on the verge of teaching this to all the students from Edmund uh, Severn. Um, it's the kind of piece when you go to classical music that you want to introduce your students with when they really start playing well. Mm. Um, it's full of fun. It's full of pizzicato. It's full of, it's full of double stops. <laughs> and it really... They want to dance to it. And I think it's always finding that nice piece that's going to resonate with 
all children for that matter and um, yes it's one of the of the best known works of Edmund Severn uh, American composer and um, he composed a lot of works for for unaccompanied violin which is of course wonderful too and um, he's written this in a style of a mazurka and um, you will understand why any child would dance to this music
Well, I think you were right, Maria. I can imagine the kids wanting to dance to something like that. A mazurka, Polish dance, by the American composer Edmund Savon. And my guest on People of Note this week is Maria Burtu, who's the founder of Musu Kids in Cape Town, which is what we're talking about, this exciting project. And you know what? I was just thinking while we were listening to that, you mentioned the Suzuki method, and violin teachers and violin players will know what that is. But for people who don't know what the Suzuki method is, is there a quick way you can explain it? Yes, absolutely. I would say it's a fun way of learning a very difficult um, classical music, whatever instrument it is. Oh, it doesn't only apply to the violin? No, no, no. You can um, learn many, many instruments with the Suzuki method. It's based on the fact that you learn to speak a language before you can write it. And that really resonates with me because I could speak French and I couldn't write it either. And it even worked for me at the age of 18 still when I went to France and couldn't understand a word. I believe that it is so, it, it develops so much more our listening capacity, our memorizing capacity. And it, it takes you a little bit um, away from that intellectual approach where you can figure out a word and now you must try and, and remember that and you don't even know how it's pronounced so to me learning um, music in that way made so much sense especially that you can take very very young children and you can give them that absolute years of pleasure why would you bother a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a four-year-old to look at notes and try to figure out where now to press that on an instrument instead of doing that just giving that absolute pleasure to teach them to play from memory an instrument and especially in in terms of the violin the violin posture is so impossible i mean there's 20 things that you must do right with a violin how to hold the bow how to put the violin on your shoulder not slide down and how to open your hands properly and you can really focus on the posture on the sound on an awareness of your body in the first years and get a proper sound from the violin because if you on top of it also have to look at notes oh my gosh it's just I would just give up (laughs) (laughs) so I think the Suzuki method is a fantastic discipline where you can actually cause a child to fall in love and to grow passion for music before you go to the intellectual and more difficult a complicated reading part of it and by all accounts it's hugely successful the world over the Suzuki method and then eventually presumably as you suggested they will then start learning music theory and the notes and the slave absolutely and then now they know the instrument they practically they know the instrument and then it's exciting I mean so many people find theory and notes boring and I think in the case of the music it's and in the case of the Suzuki method it's like suddenly you discover what you're playing on on scores and the the motivation to learn notes at that point is total big excitement (laughs) gosh well now we know what the Suzuki method is and so all these things you've mentioned France a few times now and I got a lovely little quote here that's going to embarrass you Maria Uh, someone who recommended I chatted to you said that you've had a fascinating life left hegemonic Pretoria in the apartheid years to follow your dream of living in France married a handsome Frenchman with an aristocratic surname and produced two handsome, charming and talented sons. It sounds like a fairy tale. How much of that is true? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the kind of person that everything starts with a fairy tale. (laughs) That's why I say you must hook children on the violin, make them fall in love. And then when the reality starts rolling out, at least you are motivated. (laughs) And um, yes, I I guess I was very young when I went to France. Why did you go to France particularly? I was obsessed with France all my life. There was no TV when I grew up. I don't want to give my age today, but, you know, I just remember one of the first first TV series when I was 16 years old that you could see on TV was Di Macy van Avignon, the girl from Avignon. um, Avignon, And I was so in love with this big hat and this beautiful woman sitting on the boats on the rivers. I just wanted to go to France. (laughs) Okay, you went 18 years old. (laughs) Yes, I just always had this uh, total resonance with France. 
And uh, from day one that I walked into France, I just knew I, I, I belong here. I want to live here. It's like I found the other half of Maria. <laughs> okay. but, but before all this, it said earlier that you could play the violin before you could read. So all those years you were learning and studying the violin and yes. playing. Yes, I grew up in Pretoria um, with two parents playing violin with all my siblings playing violin. The violins were there and you take up a violin and you learn to play violin. It was not even asked whether you want to play a violin or not, which I'm <laughs> totally thankful for because it was really part of the education at the time as well in many families. And Sundays we would give concerts and everyone picks up the violin, including parents, neighbors, everybody played an instrument. Mm. And that was an amazing privilege to grow up with music. And you had two very distinguished teachers, anyway, those that two that I mentioned, Alan Solomon and Denise Sutton, uh, which they were big names in the violin world in Pretoria, weren't they? And they, they must have given you an amazing grounding. Yes, that was absolute wonderful years. Uh, we had nothing else in those years to do. Uh, we mm. had no TV, as I said earlier on. And uh, Gerard Korsten stayed um, in the street behind us. And we, I think it was all this this generation of little children that we were. And and, and uh, Alan Solomon, I, I don't know to this day why my parents and everybody took us to Alan Solomon most probably because he was the only Suzuki teacher also at the time and we played in big groups and um, he made me absolutely love violin for the same reason I just explained really um, the pleasure of playing um, laughing group classes and many of those um, generation of children that we were most of them left um, South Africa later on and actually Alan Solomon sent amazing musicians into the whole Mm, he did, gosh. He's hugely, <laughs> was hugely, hugely admired, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, I guess I was just one of the scattered <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk more about your life in France, but let's have another music break. And I think you've suggested that you brought some a recording of your group here in Cape Town, Musio Kids. Um, and although it's not a professional recording, you think it's worth hearing. Tell me Absolutely. what we're going to hear. Uh, I spoke earlier on of this little Music Kids girl that sang her Causa song. Um, to, Hans. For, to Hans and then Hans called me into the class and he said just come and listen to it he was almost in tears it was just so coming from her heart mm -hmm. and um, bafana. so it's a struggle song um, we're still waiting to hear more from this song as well from her mother but Hans just absolutely started writing down and this is a song that spoke absolutely to this little group of children coming from their own community and um, I would love yes I would love that uh, recording to be played it was recorded in the classroom and um, I think it will speak for itself the the voice that's coming out of this little girl when she sings her own song
Now, there you are. That gives you an idea. That was recorded in the classroom by the group uh, Muzu Kids called Ibanbeni Webafana. How is that? With the singer Tego. Sego. Sego. Yes. And that's the arrangement by Hans Hosen that you that's told us right. about. That's right, yes. Gosh, thank you for bringing that and sharing that with us. Maria Borta is my guest. I want to find out a little bit more, Maria, about Paris. We've spoken about your handsome husband with an aristocratic <laughs> name. What is, what is the aristocratic name? De Girardier. And it's very important there's a space between De and Girardier will be told to you by the French people <laughs> with a de. <laughs> and that means it comes from a noble family. Okay. If, the, if the de is not separate from the rest of the name, it's not a noble family. <laughs> and they're very okay. proud of that. <laughs> like the fun and fun in Germany. Yes. But now you said you stayed in Paris for a long time, 23 years, did you say? In France, yes. In France, in yeah. France okay. yes. Firstly in Paris and then in other parts of France. What yes. did you do there? Were you playing or what were you doing? Absolutely. I arrived at a very, very young age. As I explained, as soon as I finished matric, I went to France and I did several things. I started by learning French. <laughs> I couldn't speak a word <laughs> of French. And I was selling chickens on a farm in the south of France, on all the markets in the south of France, uh, which was the quickest way to learn to speak French because nobody could speak any word <laughs> besides French. And I had to sell at the same time. So that was a quick uh, course. A French Suzuki course. in French. <laughs> <laughs> Learn by ear, absolutely. Yeah, then I could yeah. speak it and I couldn't write it. And I went to Paris then in my second year, went to the Sorbonne, uh, studied French at the Sorbonne. And then I actually entered the fashion world. Oh. Uh, I worked for many years for Missoni. Um, an Italian fashion house that was based in, well, it's based all over the world. And I had, I think it's wonderful to live in Paris and to live in the fashion world. The fashion capital it almost. Broad, exactly. Brought yeah. wonderful experiences. But I was, I was immediately also enrolled at a conservatoire of the 10th arrondissement. It's not the conservatoire. It's a conservatoire in Paris where I got a violin teacher and played in an orchestra, which also made me absolutely meet musicians all over Paris. I mm -hmm. think the, the next piece I would like to play is, to me, representative. As I say, I'm a very emotional um, musician, and I attach uh, music to people and to meeting people and places. And my first years in Paris were really this, um, in the cellars, all these jazz musicians, all these amazing people that you actually come across and you don't even know who they are and a few years later they were all the new upcoming sort of famous jazz musicians and different um, varieties, klezmer players and one such a person that my, my neighbor in Paris I lived under the roofs in Paris uh, in these very tiny little yes, apartments yes. where you can hardly stand up in the bathroom <laughs> and right across from me was staying this uh, jazz musician and I had met some of the most famous jazz musicians that came through Paris at the time and one such a person is Stéphane Chauss um, that was a clarinet player that's still going around very much and I'm um, absolutely listening to their rehearsals in the in the little bottom caves of Paris and I would love you to hear clarinet which my firstborn son later played and and Stefan Schulz helped him um, choose his cellmare in Paris and I would like to play Saint-Temps pour trois coeurs beautiful clarinet piece from the disc Rue Longue of Stefan Schulz
Well, there's a touch of jazz for you. Our choice of uh, Maria Buerta of the Muzu Kids. And just tell me what that was, because your French is so perfect that I'm yes. not even going to try. <laughs> that was a French uh, musician and composer, Stéphane Chauss. And it was his first album that he released, um, Rue Longue. And the piece that we listened to was Saint-Temps pour Trois Coeurs. Well, there you are. You can come and teach us French here at Fine <laughs> Music Radio as a part-time. But, you know, while it was playing, we were talking about uh, the Suzuki method that you described for us just now. But And then you said something which I hadn't thought about before, that you can't just automatically get a book and become a Suzuki. The teachers have to learn yes. very carefully, don't they? Yeah, it's a bit like a generalist when you're a doctor and then you can do some specializations, oh, <laughs> specialities. Yes. Yes. So it's it's a lot of extra work um, and studying. For the teacher. Um, it, it can take up to eight years or even more to obtain all the levels of the Suzuki method teaching to be absolutely qualified as a Suzuki teacher. So in South Africa, I would say after your B-must studies that you would do as a, a music um, teacher, you can't go out and say, I'm a Suzuki teacher and take book one and teach with it. It's a, it's a whole process of getting um, qualified as a Suzuki teacher. And um, I'm still thinking about doing another level, you know, <laughs> getting my black belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good description, a good analogy. Yes, my brother always says, when are you getting the black belt? Because I keep studying and doing new new levels yeah, uh, yeah. to just become a better and better qualified teacher eventually. So, And it can take students to a professional level eventually. Of course. But you also have to be that qualified teacher and qualified up to that level in order to be able to carry on. Teaching Gosh, that them was, with a Suzuki method. That yes. was completely new to me. So that was very mm. interesting. Thank you, Mia. But you know what? we kind of running out of time, but there's an important question, two questions I want to ask you. First of all, where do you get your instruments from? Violins are not cheap. I know you can buy cheaper violins that they can start on. Yes. Um, and if their career takes off, get a more expensive violin. But yes. how do you get your instruments? Yes, I actually want to write a book about how we got all the <laughs> uh, the instruments. In the beginning, it came literally from friends, from connections, from colleagues. And then it ended up, we have some very, very stable, wonderful sponsors as well, and who bought into the project and that provided us with violins. And then we have beautiful people that look at a, a media press release or a little film that was shown in, in, in France and then I get a total unknown person who asks if he could purchase 10 little violins for, for all the new beginners. So it came from many different resources but uh, I do acknowledge um, of course from stable funding as well and mm -hmm. I'll that's Main the other funders. thing I was going to ask you. Where do you get the money from? You obviously have people that fund you. Yes, we have a European funders. We have a funder in France. We have also a funder in Germany. And then we have the Rupert Messick Stichting, which absolutely um, graciously give us also funding every year. Um, yes, it's a wonderful relationship that's growing. And, um, and do pupils come in, young people come in every year wanting to learn? You're not running out of young people. Not at all. <laughs> we just, but we train teachers very urgently and um, we really want more teachers to be qualified, as I explain now with the Suzuki method specifically, mm -hmm. so that we can have more capacity to take on more children. The, the idea is to roll out, to take all the grade R children coming in each year in these schools where we are, and but we need more teachers as well. And where are your premises? Do you have a school or how do you work? Yes, at the moment we are hosted in a school in Friedehoek at the Good Hope Seminary Junior who generously host us because we teach all the incoming grade R students since 2015. A wonderful principal at the time that was there and that was so excited about the project. And we take, it's, it's wonderful because the children are right there on the premises and our first group comes, that's playing now, comes from that 2015 group that were all in grade R and also from the from another school in, in Cape Town where we were based in two schools at the Gosh. And then where do they go after they've finished? 
I mean, hopefully, maybe become professional yes, so musicians. Yes, so we have, um, of course, in the beginning it was in school time, and now it's after school, and then mostly over weekend. Um, they come every Saturday, and they play right through Saturday, sometimes Friday afternoon, Sundays as well. Um, at the moment, with the COVID uh, regulations, they come even on some days that they're not in school, and they get literally picked up at their door from a driver, wonderful driver that's with us since a long time from their own community as well that knows each family, picks them up at their door and drops them at their door. So that is absolutely essential because the transport is is the thing that brings these children mm. to their lessons. And yeah, We must hope that the Cape Town Philharmonic, that the orchestras in this country stay on because these children are future members of orchestras actually. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have branches anywhere else in South Africa? We have a branch in Port Elizabeth. We have started there as well. At uh, We had 120 little children um, starting off three years ago uh, with a wonderful funder. Um, one of our funders there is EDF, the French uh, electricity, like uh, ESCOM. Like ESCOM, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Supplier, yeah. And uh, we took in 90 new students this year, and we've got two teachers there, um, uh, qualified Elmeri van der Pfeiffer and Robin Lovemore, that both are qualified also in the Suzuki method. Uh-huh. You know what, we're going to have to stop. It's been a heartwarming experience talking to you. And mostly seeing your incredible enthusiasm and devotion to this, Maria Buota, thank you. But before you go, we're going to have one more piece of music. And what's that going to be? Yes, I'm going to end this with my gymnastics of every day. I believe <laughs> in in violin, uh, we, we have to work with our fingers every day. And we must keep our fingers fit. And this is my piece I give to the students as well. That's how you know if you fit or not. Oh. It's a nice short piece from um, Corelli, uh, Allegro, from a sonat uh, in D major. And I just love the finger gymnastics of this piece. Nice and short and, yeah, <laughs> get your fingers warm. Maria, let's just also give a website address if people are interested in finding out more about you. And that is... Muzukids, M-U-Z-U-K-I-D-Z dot C-O dot Z-A, Muzukids. And you can also go to info at musukids.co.za for email to find out more. And I was talking to Maria Borta, the founder of Muzukids. Thanks, Maria. Let's hear your finger gymnastics now. of note on fine music radio was proudly brought to you by peter turin productions FMR.